Whether it's managing everyday stress or turning loss or disappointment into a catalyst for your future, we all need to live a life that's big, bold, brave. That is the mantra and the title of a new book by my guest today. Hello and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. I am so pleased to welcome Clint Haddon. He is a father, husband, personal development coach, and he is here to talk about overcoming an unthinkable tragedy. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate that. Please share your story with us, Clint. Hi, Robin. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's a joy to be able to talk to you today. Yeah, our story is the one that, you know, no parent wishes on anyone. You hope that it's something that you never have to endure, but it's uh, part of our story now. So it's, you know, a journey that we find ourselves on. Um, You know, I'm a father of three boys. My oldest son, Gabriel, was, you know, we all think all of our kids are extraordinary, right? So they're they're all extraordinary in their own way, but he was very motivated and very um, goal-oriented at a young age. And about eight years old, he decided he wanted to become a pilot. And he'd flew in a little plane with his uncle Danny and got the bug and was, you know, just super excited about being a pilot someday. And so he, he didn't let go of that. He didn't let it you know, go like a lot of kids do and decide they want to be in the NFL the following week, right? It was always a pilot. So at the age of 16, he got the opportunity to actually start to be trained uh, by some uh, club that he was in called Tango 31 Aero Club. And eventually at 16 years old, before he even got his driver's license, he actually soloed, which was an experience in and of itself, kind of crazy. Um, So he was well on his way. And at the age of 17, which is the youngest you can be to earn a a private pilot's license, he passed the very first time the written exam, went up for his check ride, passed with flying colors, and boom, he became a pilot. And so he was living his dream. And then for us, uh, the end of September, it was September 23rd, 2019, just a few months shy of his 18th birthday. He was on a trip, just getting hours, which is what it's all about when you're you're a young pilot. You know, you're just trying to fly as much as you can. And he took a friend home to the University of Arkansas, which is just a little north of us here in Dallas. And on the return trip, he got about 20 minutes uh, away from the airport there. And he ran into some unexpected weather, which eventually caused him to suffer from spatial disorientation. Um, some of your listeners are probably familiar with that. The Kobe Bryant uh, crash, of course, was very well known because of his notoriety. And it's the same thing that his pilot suffered from. And so he thought he was flying up. He wasn't. And he crashed and lost his life. Oh so, God. you know, so Robin, you know, as anyone can imagine, you know, and unfortunately, there's listeners out there that have suffered something like this as well, personally, but it's it's a devastating blow. And so, you know, we found ourselves on the couch that morning um, with my two other sons who at that time were nine and 13 and my beautiful bride, we had been married 17 years at that point. And, you know, we had a decision to make in the middle of just severe pain and grief, you know, and that was, how are we going to begin to walk this out? Now, you know, I want to tell this part, Robin, you know, I feel like I had an advantage to a degree, not with the pain. Um, Nothing can ever prepare you for the pain that you feel when you lose anyone that's super close to you, let alone a child. Um, But, you know, I had been helping, coaching and mentoring people. I've been a pastor uh, for 17 years. So I've helped a lot of people in really bad situations, including death of a loved one. 
So even though that does nothing to help you with the pain, I, I did have an idea of the kinds of things that we could go through. And I certainly had an idea of if we didn't kind of set a compass that we could really struggle. And unfortunately, a lot of marriages uh, implode after something like sure. this, that, yeah. as do it's even families. Devastating. Yeah. yeah. It's just really difficult. And so that morning, and this is where I began the journey of what we're going to call Big Bull Brave here in just a little bit. Uh, I just turned to my family and I said, listen, we have two choices. We can have a, we can choose life or we can choose death. And what I simply meant by that, Robin, is Gabriel attacked life. He went for it like all the time. It's just how he lived. He, you can mm -hmm. see some guitars behind me. He taught himself how to play guitar. There's a photo actually on the wall that you can see that he was an amazing photographer. You know, everything that he decided was an adventure, he was going to go for. And he didn't let anything. He didn't let fear. He didn't let risk. He didn't let anything get in his way of living life the way he wanted to live it. And so I told him, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to do the same things he did because we each have our own, you know, desires yes, and gifts and passions, mm -hmm. but that's what we're going to do. We're going to choose to honor the way he lived by living ours the way he lived. And I feel like that was critical, Robin, because, yeah. you know, what, what I call a death mentality is just simply, it sounds awful, I know, but what it simply is, is you're going to feel the pain. We still feel the pain. We're going to feel the pain and the void of his loss for the rest of our lives that you can't change that. There's, there's no going back and there is no such thing as moving on from losing a human being, mm -hmm. but you can move forward. And a death mentality keeps you stuck in your pain. It, it keeps you in a place in your pain where it steals from your future. And we just didn't want that for our lives and so it's and your been, two other kids, I mean, and their lives right. as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's what launched us out as a family, just during our early time of grief. And, you know, again, just gave us kind of a compass on where we wanted to go. Now, eventually, um, you know, cause your listeners are probably wondering, well, you wrote a book and you know, the, the, uh, the phrase big, bold, brave, what, what happened was, is it, it became news because partly because it was just the story of, you know, a local pilot dying, but his mm -hmm. age kind of amplified that. And so mm -hmm. the next morning, uh, NBC amongst a couple of others reached out, wanted to do a story on it. And of course I'm, you know, we were, we were a complete train wreck. So I just said, there's no way we can't, we can't do an interview. But at the end of the call, the reporter who was very kind, uh, just said to me, she said, listen, she goes, I just want you to think about it because here's what's going to happen a story is going to go out tonight. If mm -hmm. I don't get an opportunity to talk to you about it, then it's going to be a report on his death. If you'll let me, I'll let you tell the story your way and you can talk about his life. And so very quickly we were put to the test of this idea of living, you know, life or a death mentality. And so that afternoon we had a TV crew in our, in our oh living room. And, <laughs> I don't know uh, how you could have done that. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember much about the interview. Yeah. Um, as far as just, you know, what it was like to go through it. It was, it was very difficult. Obviously we had to stop a few different times. We you know, couldn't do anything in one take because we were a lot of tears, a lot of pain, but what ended up happening was somewhere in that interview, I said that he lived his life big, bold, and brave. I don't remember saying it, Robin, but what happened was she created a really what ended up being a really beautiful segment. It was two, three minutes that they aired that night. 
and it told his story and there was a lot of beautiful beautiful imagery of just how he lived and at the end she chose instead of to play my part of when i said it she ended the broadcast with and gabriel's parents encourage you to live your life big bold and brave Wow. And it still kind of gets me. incredible. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh my goodness. It still gets and, me. Yeah. And and how long ago was this, Clint? So that was uh that was the morning of September 24, 2019. So just a little over three years ago. Three I guess we're going on three and a half now. And how are your sons? How is your wife? Yeah. Well, you know, again, as you can imagine, none of this has been easy. It's been incredibly challenging. And even though, you know, we've made some decisions, you know, one of the other decisions we made that morning was just the way we were going to grieve. You know, I told them, listen, none of us knows what it's going to look like from day to day, day to day, or for that matter, early on from hour to hour. Mm -hmm. And each one of us is going to feel differently at different times. You know, one of us may feel sad and want to cry. Another one may feel angry and want to scream. The other one may feel something completely different. And so, so we just set some ground rules as a family that whatever they were, it was okay. And mm-hmm. that, you know, I've, I mean, I've cried many times as a father. And then, so, you know, my wife doesn't try to stop me or if she was the one who was, you know, crying or if one of the boys was, we didn't try to stop each other and say things like very well-meaning people tend to want to do, which is, you know, Oh, don't cry. Don't cry. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not healthy. We allowed each other through these last few years to process out loud in front of one another and talk it through And so I think that has been a huge, huge aid in getting us to where we're at at this point, but it's been really hard. You know, my middle son, uh, Robin, his name is Joel. He's 18 now. He just turned 18 Mm -hmm. not too long ago. You know, they had just become really best friends. They'd kind of turned that corner Uh from being the brothers that are like constantly (laughs) fire out of each other. All of a sudden, when you grow up a little, you start to appreciate each other a little more. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. And so, you know, they literally a few months before the uh, the crash had turned that corner. And so, you know, for him, it's it's been a different experience than my youngest, who they had eight years in between them. Yeah. And so Liam, he his way, which was interesting, and, and I'm, I'm going to share this with your listeners, because, you know, if, if any of you are out there going through this or have gone through this, you know, it, it needs to be okay that everybody is unique. And so, Liam would just bring him into very everyday mundane things. Like we'd be out eating at a pizza joint. Oh, Gabriel would have loved this pizza, you know, mm-hmm. or we're watching a movie. Gabriel would have loved this movie, you know, and that was his way of keeping him in his memory and and kind of carrying him along, mm-hmm. you know, on his own little journey, you know? So it's been hard. There's been some really rough spots. We haven't done any of this perfectly. We're not perfect humans. Um, but those two things, just, just keeping a life mentality and allowing everybody to process and be okay with some days are going to be better than others, I think has gone a long way. And both boys are doing really, really well now. Oh, that's uh, so one, good. Yes. They're Joel graduated early from high school. He's getting ready for college now and, and he's on his way. My little Liam is a black belt. Now he has black belt at 12 years old. And so he's the martial artist. Well, you're doing something right. You're raising good (laughs) kids. That is great. And I do like the fact that you remember your son and, you know, even bringing him up in everyday conversations, you know, Gabe would like this, Gabriel. I think that's so good. Like, you know, I lost my mom. My husband lost both his parents. They were much Mm -hmm. older, of course, but we always talk about them. 
And yeah. it doesn't make me sad. It makes me happy because I'm remembering, you know, we're remembering them and you're, yeah. and you're almost, you know, they're almost like so close to you that way. And I think that's a, a good thing to do. I mean, everyone grieves in their own way, but I, I, we do that in our family all the time. I mentioned my mom a lot, you know, my yeah. husband mentions his parents and it's just something that, you know, for us, that works for us. It helps us to keep their memory alive. You know, they're still with us Absolutely. in our hearts, you know? So that's, oh, I think so, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's so true. And so talk to me a little about what you do, how you help other people. I'm sure you can relate to people who have had tragedies in their lives, whether it's been, you know, a loss of someone they love, a divorce, you know, there's so many different avenues sure. for people sure. that uh, can experience, you know, something tragic in their lives and and how you work with them and and a little more about your book and what, and what the book has to say about this. Yeah, well, I think you just brought up something that's really critical, you know, in this particular case, if you're talking about a really, you know, tragic loss, there is definitely something that you have in you that someone who hasn't had that experience doesn't have that, you know, if you're if you're willing to help other people. There's a certain credibility, if you want to call it that, uh, relatability, whatever it is. But, you know, um, this this loss is definitely, I like to say I was compassionate before and now it's thrown like rocket fuel on compassion. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and I want to point out real quick too, because, you know, we're not going to get into my full story because I'm old. <laughs> no, I'm not old, but I got, <laughs> I got a lot of stories, but you know, in my yeah. past, you know, I used meth for nine years in my twenties. You know, I, I, I also was, uh, I had a failed marriage and a divorce. So I've been through that. We suffered through a miscarriage, you know, out of our three boys, be, as they were being born, she almost lost her life twice in childbirth. You know, Liam was born at one pound, 14 ounces. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things in our journey that, that I can relate to people. And so I think that definitely helps, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, here's why I wrote the book and then I'll answer your question in terms of, you know, how I help people. The reason why I wrote the book had a lot to do with timing. Otherwise I probably would have waited longer to be honest with you, but you know, three months after we lost Gabriel COVID hit the world. And so our first two years plus of grieving also involved processing the complexity of life as you know everybody's world got turned upside down yeah and there and there's been tremendous loss both in life and then people lost careers and businesses and in many marriages you know under the strain and stress of you know <laughs> in some cases just being together all the time but, yeah, you know, yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> and where to run <laughs> right yeah. exactly but you know there's been there's been many other forms of loss that's why i'm glad you brought that up because you know my my pain is my pain and, and we still feel the pain because of the love we shared, right? I'm not looking for the pain to go away, but we do have to find ways to take these hits in life, these punches in the gut, and then turn around and use that pain as a catalyst, you know, to, to move forward. And so that's something that I do. The book I think is going to be very helpful. I've had some amazing testimonies already from those who have read it that have really helped them, whether they suffered a really deep loss, it's helped them kind of look at healing and look at the rest of their life a little bit differently. Um, so that's been one thing that's done. And I've had some others that, you know, haven't suffered the loss of a child, but maybe they're, they were just stuck or they were afraid. I talk a lot about fear and risk and those types of things in the book as well, because 
if we're going to do something significant in life, if we're going to live a life that we we truly are fulfilled, it requires overcoming fear. It requires taking some risks, right? And so, you know, I wrote the book largely because the world has just been devastated with that. And there are so many people that had lost hope and don't feel like, you know, there's much to look forward to and that mm-hmm. our world is falling apart. And, That's you know, true. there are there are things, you know, that aren't, that aren't good, but I, I don't think that way. I believe there's a lot of amazing human beings out there. My, my tagline is courageous humans, inspiring lives. I believe just like you, it's the reason why I want to be on your show. There's so many people out there that do see hope that do want to help others that do believe that it's still worthwhile to chase my dreams and I can't achieve them. And so, you know, that's, that's another reason why I wrote the book as well. It seems so, far away though for so many people i mean it just Mm -hmm. seems like something out there that you're kind of reaching for but what is the first step how do you even begin a process of of healing and of reaching for something you know a little bit higher than yourself right yeah well i think for me you know when you start talking about even the book itself or my speaking engagements with if it's a corporate environment or you know whatever obviously i approach it a little bit different depending on that audience but at the end of the day, you have to be able to dig into your own story. And so like if I'm meeting one-on-one with somebody, that's one of the first things I want to know. I ask them to tell them or tell me their story mm-hmm. as opposed to what are your goals? You know, what are we, what are the metrics that we're trying to hit? Are you just trying to make more money? Do you want to you know, have a better relationship? Rather than going directly to that, I like to hear their story. And the reason why that's so critical, Robin, is because when you hear someone tell their own story, there are words that are going to stand out. Even their body language is going to change based on what part of their story they're telling. And so a lot of times what I've discovered is, is we can find out through the way they see their own story, that in and of itself, one of the reasons why they can't get to where they want to go, because they're Mm -hmm. telling themselves one narrative about who they are and what they believe and what they're capable of. And then they have this nebulous thing out there, but this is how I want to live. And you, you can't have that kind of a mindset and then achieve a lifestyle that's completely different. So it always starts with how you see yourself first. So that's where I like to start. I like that a lot. And especially because very interesting to ask somebody to describe themselves how does someone describe yeah. themselves? You know, what what do they emphasize? Is it their background? Is it their childhood? Is it their current situation? <laughs> do they say they're a mom before they're a businesswoman or a businesswoman before they're a mom? You know, it's funny. Yeah. But that's actually a good point because when you describe yourself, you know, it kind of shows what's most important to you because that's they're the words, they're the things you're going to say probably up front. This is who I am and this is what I'm about. So that's a really interesting way to look at it. So how do you make that leap if you want to get somebody to another place, um, whether it's overcoming a tragedy, a loss, um, Mm. you know, difficulties, a job, a spouse, whatever it is, where do you go? What do you do? Do Do you write down, you know, some of your, you know, some of your thoughts and ideas or do you just talk it out? What do you do? Yeah. Well, I love what you just said, because to me, that's the launching pad. Because when you ask that question, obviously, there's a lot of different personalities. So one may say, well, I'm, I'm a, 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 let's say she's a woman. She may say, I'm the CEO of X corporation. 
and I'm a wife and I'm a mother. And you got another one who, oh, I'm a mom. You know, that part's different, right? But uh-huh. you're going to hear in the way they describe their story. Most of the time, Robin, people tell you what they do, yeah, not who they are. Yes. Isn't and that that's, well, that's how we're a so critical distinction. We're yeah. So, you know, just that's how we li- live. That's how we show up in the world. What do you do? Right. You know, when you're at a party, what do you do? Not who are you? That's <laughs> you know exactly I mean? right. The that's first right. question that people ask you, what do you do? You have to justify your existence by whatever job it is that you have. And the worst part to me is always like, I always feel bad. Like stay at home mom to me is one of the toughest it is the toughest job in the world and women sort of have to justify themselves when they stay at home i'm a a stay-at-home mom you know you ought to like shout that from the rooftop i am a stay-at-home mom and that is not an easy job but it's just you know it's the way our society views things and we we got to stop we got to stop making the judgments on people that's a whole nother we can talk about that another time but um easily yeah so where do you go what's the first step that you you go where, where do you go with people yeah. So that that's why I like to just start with, you know, tell me your story because they usually give me the, what, you know, what I do. So then we shift into, okay, but tell me who, who are you? And here's why that's so important. Robin, I bet you, if you went out there right now and even Googled it, the number one question that gets asked um, to whether it's a personal development coach, a life coach, whether it's uh, a pastor or anybody that people go to for counsel, right? Mm-hmm. The number one thing far and away is always trying to find their purpose. Yes. People always want to know their purpose or who am I? You could use the word identity as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's only when you realize or when you can when you can help them realize that, okay, I asked you to tell me your story and all you did was describe what you do, not who you are. So let's back up. Let's start talking about who you are. And what happens is, is then you're going to begin to discover that the way they operate in certain elements of their life, you know, whether it's in their business, they may operate one way. Uh, in their marriage, they may operate a completely different way. In their friendships, they may. And that's why you see so many people that they may have a measure of success in one of those areas, but in other areas of their life, it's a complete train wreck. Mm-hmm. And they really want to have wholeness of life, right? They really want to have a fulfilling life, but they've only learned how to be the part of them that's successful in the one area. Yes, that happens a <laughs> so lot. It happens with business people a lot. Absolutely. They're very successful and then their marriage falls apart or they don't see their kids a lot. You know, that happens often. Right. So, you know, let's say I'm talking to a, a, a businessman who's, uh, you know, a father and he and he works 80 hours a week or 100 hours a week and he's super successful and they live in a beautiful home and they've got all the stuff, right? But then if I'm asking him, you know, who do you want to be? Well, I really want to be a better dad. Well, that's great. That sounds wonderful. But what does that look like? Why do you want to be a better dad? Mm-hmm. What What does that look like? Who do you think you would be? Describe it to me. And so when that happens... The beauty of this is, is they begin to realize as they're talking to themselves that they realize there are certain character traits or things that they've dismissed to be able to do what they want to do. And and let's say it's with the kids, you know, I, I want to be able to spend more time with them. Okay, great. Why do you want to spend more time with them? Because I want to experience more joy. I want to, I want to have fun with my kids. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere because now we're talking about who do you really want to be? Then we can start getting to, and this is obviously very fast track, but with this conversation, but then we can start getting to, okay, now let's take a look at 
what you actually do in your life. Let's look at your calendar because your calendar is going to say a lot about what you have in life, the way you spend your time. Right. Mm -hmm. So then we can start breaking things down. So for me, you know, to put that into kind of a quick one, two, three, it starts with hearing the story. Then it starts with talking about who do they really want to be. Then we can start looking at specific uh, changes or action items that they can implement to begin to steer in that direction. I love all that. That is just fantastic because sometimes people like you, I always, I'm a person that, you know, looks at goals and looks at, you know, this is what I want mm -hmm. to achieve. And sometimes it's, it's hard to go from A to B without an action plan. But as you said, why? You have to know why. What's your what's your reasoning behind it? And and that's very important as well. And do you ever have anybody that wants to do it but just really can't or they deep down don't want to? Does that ever happen? Yeah, no, it does. I, you know, I, I I hesitate to say they don't really want it because I think now you're trying to judge someone else's right, motives right. and that's always kind of a dangerous do. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think more often than not, this has been my experience. They don't have either the discipline to make the changes that need to be made, or often I have found that there are pains and hurts of the past that have become a part of that story they tell themselves about who they are, and they're just unwilling to go there. Yeah. Like they want to bury it. And what they don't recognize is that old self is absolutely dictating to their current self where their life direction is going to go. Uh, to me, those are the two that I've found far and away are very common. Do you ever have someone that all of a sudden experiences a breakthrough? I don't know if it happens that way, because you said oh, a yeah. lot of the things that you have learned sort of happen slowly and you kind of yeah. have to figure it out along the way, but does it ever happen when someone goes, Oh my gosh, I need to really do that. And that's what I'm going to do right now. Does that happen yeah. or is it that oh, for not sure. really a thing? Yeah. No, there are people that do. Yeah. There are people that are just ready, you know, um, yes. <laughs> that are just, like we're again, we won't get into the weeds with my story, but I had done meth for nine years in my twenties. Now I was, a, I was a professional salesperson. So I'm not the person you typically think of when you think meth head, right? You probably mm -hmm. instantly thought of, you know, some guy with all tattoos and black teeth and all that Breaking stuff. Breaking right? bad. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But there came a morning where literally I woke up and I just done it the night before. It was the last time I ever did it. And that was 27 years ago. I was done. I just, I was sick and tired of feeling the way I felt. It wasn't fun anymore. And I just made, I like to call these courageous decisions. I just made a courageous decision that I'm done. I don't want to, this is not who I want to be. And it was over with. So I've experienced that myself, but I want to share you. I want to share one with you that I thought was so cool because this one didn't come like day one, but it came pretty rapidly. I was working with one of my clients. Um, she's actually getting ready to send me this, this, uh, this background testimony so I can share it. And so she was going through a very, very long difficult marriage with a husband who had a lot of mental illness. There was a lot of abuse, just decades of just painful, painful experiences. Mm. And so eventually they ended up separating. And so during this time of separation, that's when she really wanted to make some changes. And then why she started working with me, she's like, I, I want to start doing some new things. I want to live my life. Now, what she didn't know what was going to happen is she had gained about 45 pounds 
during this year or two season where, and I'm sure it was just all the the stress and the toxins and everything that she was holding on to. But we did some of these things we're talking about here where we had her, you know, write down and decide. And I have some other tools that that I use to make this work. And so she began to realize who she really wanted to be and and what would that look like? Well, one of them was to start going on walks. Sounds pretty simple, right? So she started going just on walks. She didn't start eating differently, really. She didn't start going on, you know, she didn't do hit routines or you know, any of this kind of stuff. <laughs> she just started going on walks, but she started telling herself this new story. And Robin, I'll never forget it. In about a two, three day period, because I, I told her, I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go on a, a two day retreat by yourself. Take yourself on a retreat, get away from everything. And then we're going to do some of these exercises exercise where you're going to tell yourself this new story she lost 20 pounds over the weekend and it's now oh been about four or five months and she that's lost incredible. over 45 pounds that's but it's incredible. not even just the weight and but that's important because that yeah. weight was another um it was more evidence it's like a reminder out of, of what that she went self. through yeah yes. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. wow so, yeah, that's incredible can happen very rapidly at times if you if you're willing to put in the work Yeah. Well, and you know what? I'm glad you said if you're willing to put in the work, because sometimes when I think of, you know, I I believe in meditation, I believe in affirmations, I believe in visualization. I think that's all really good, positive stuff to have that in your mind. But you can't just like wish and have it magically appear. You actually have to like make real changes or it gets you in the mindset to make the changes. You still have to make the changes. Don't you agree? Exactly right. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mentioned a little bit ago that I was a pastor for 17 years. So, you know, whether your listener is, uh, has a religion of any kind or not, doesn't really matter for us. We consider ourselves people of faith. Well, faith works the exact same way. It's, it's not faith unless you do something. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Right. (laughs) You can't just just... sit around and go, Oh, I believe in, and then, Mm -hmm. but I'm just going to sit on my hands and hope everything works out, you know? Yes. What you're praying for, what you're asking for, what your visualization is, sort of the strength, the power, the whatever it is inside of you to make those changes, to to do what is needed to be done. And sometimes you're also praying or what if you want to use the word praying for sort of a sign or an answer or something to come to you. But it still generally means that you have to take a step, that there's, there's some course of action, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Even what you just described is an action. Yes. You know, even if you are, so obviously I'm a person in prayer. So there's been times where I've been praying, waiting for some kind of an answer, but the act of that and being specific about the information I'm trying to gain, right. Mm-hmm. Is an action itself. And then sometimes I get the information that leads me to a yes. Sometimes I get what I feel like is that's a no, it shouldn't go in that direction, but either way, that's still an action too. You know, so that's true. I'm right that there is with very you. True. You know, I think, uh, you know, we always hear a lot about mindfulness and consciousness, Mm -hmm. but there is really something to that. I really believe that because I I used to work in a job where I was busy, gosh, a lot. I was really busy. I mean, talk about, I spent time with my kids, but not as much as I would have liked to when they were a little younger. I had a lot going on. I had a lot of responsibility. And I always say I was on a gerbil wheel. And I didn't even know how to get off. I just was just going, 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 going. I barely had time. You know, I'd go from one appointment to another appointment to another thing and pick up my kids and then go to the game. And it just seemed like I never had a minute to just kind of chill out and stop and think. And 
it really makes such a difference. And I've been trying to do something called the Miracle Morning lately, where I'm okay. getting up a little bit earlier, having that time in the morning, getting my exercise done, thinking about how I want to show up in my day and what I want to do. And it just, yeah. I think it sets your day better. You know, I've never been a morning person, never. It's just <laughs> not my thing. You know, I'm a night owl, my family, we would be up watching movies till 1 a.m. when I was younger. And I carried that on. And it's really, really hard to break, I have to say. But, you know, it starts with going to bed earlier and just changing yeah. your habits. But I'm trying to make this change in my life, Clint. I'm just thinking yeah. this is a better way to live your life and and take some time to just slow it down. Don't you think so many people are on yeah. that gerbil wheel? And especially when you have young kids, I think that it's really you almost get caught up in it and you, you, you almost right. can't get out of it. Yeah. Well, I love what you just said, because you talked about slowing it down because and there's you know, there's different methods to, to doing that, sure. right? Mm -hmm. Even a morning routine can look a lot of different ways, you know, depending on the person, but that's ultimately what we're talking about. Cause most people don't Robin far mm -hmm. and away. Most people never get off the hamster wheel mm -hmm. because they never slowed down enough. They never quiet their mind long enough to even think about why am I actually so miserable? Why am I still in a job or a career that I absolutely hate? Why is my relationship not what I want it to be? Right. Because they never slow down. It's just mm -hmm. like you said, the it's constant. It's just like a habit. You get up, you do yeah. it, you do it. Absolutely. I know. It's, and I will it's say, so true. yeah, and I will say, and obviously this is what I'm about to say. This is the way I would want anybody to have to come to terms with that. But that was one of the um, side effects, if I could say it that way, of losing Gabriel. You know, when when someone, especially with such a hope and a future, oh. and when when someone like that passes in your life, man, you know the, the thin veil between, you know, living and dying and the fact that we're not guaranteed tomorrow becomes very vivid and it's in your face very quickly. And so, you know, for us, it can go two directions. I mean, it can, if you allow, it can drive you into the weeds and into deep depression oh, and you can, can stop you living. You almost feel you like know? you can't pick your head off a pillow, you know? Yeah, like and there, and, and there are, there were definitely hours and days where, you know, it was a struggle physically and mentally. I don't want to dismiss that at all. No, that no. We, we went through that and still do have times where, you know, you're, you're just hit. There's a trigger somewhere to get you a certain mm -hmm. way. And, um, but we've had these other things we've been talking about so far, the life mentality and all that kind of stuff that recalibrates us back to it. But my point is just for us, his death made it so vivid even though we all know cognitively that nobody's guaranteed time, right? We all know yes, it. Yes, yes. But it caused us to start looking at everything. So we did, we started, you know, taking the rocks of our life and looking underneath every one of them and, you know, looked at what we were doing for a living. Did we really want to do that? You know, my wife became an artist and loves what she's doing. Um, we looked at the relationships that we had. We looked at, you know, the, the, people in our life that maybe we were spending time with that we felt like professionally out of obligation or things like that, that were taking away from us and tearing us down and, and wearing us out. You know, one of my chapters is called parasites and boundaries. It's very short and it's a little blunt, but it's really needed. <laughs> yeah. You need no, to know it is. who you're surrounding your life with, you know, you know, it's a shame they don't they teach us so many things in school. And I hate to say this, 
ever going to use again. It's just unfortunate. Right. It's oh, just it's the way true. it is. Yeah, totally true. Why are they not teaching kids about this, about, yeah. you know, stopping and taking a look at your life and, and making, you know, setting goals and making choices that, you know, instead of getting stuck in that wheel, I mean, it happens to so many people, you yeah. know, you get out of school, you get a job, you get married, you have kids. It's almost like, it's just, you plug yourself into this, you know, this life. And that's just the life you're going to, and some people love it. They, they, they make good choices. They happen to yeah. have a job they love and a family they love, and it's all good, but some people don't and they're yeah. stuck and they're stuck in this situation and, and they can't seem to break through it. You know, and I, I just think it's such a sad way to live your life. I tell my kids all the time, don't be a cork bobbing on the ocean. I always tell them <laughs> that it's just a phrase that I use. Yeah. Just like, don't just flutter with the wind have a direction, have a goal, have a, have a mindset, think about what you want to do and, 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 you know, live that way. Like you say, big, bold, and brave, just live that way and go for the things that you want to go for. Don't just let life dictate to you. That's exactly right. And only you can make that choice at the end of the day. I actually called myself a coward in the book because there were components of my life after looking at the way my son Gabriel lived that, that I let fear writing a book was one of them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had known that I was supposed to write a book years ago, decades ago, you know, and I had to get over a fear because a lot of yeah. times that's really what keeps us back. We're just, a, even though we're, we're stuck in the mundane, we hate the hamster wheel, but it's scary off the hamster mm-hmm. wheel. So maybe I'll just stay on it, you know, and eventually because you know it because you know it. It's familiar. Exactly right. Yes. So, you know, you got, you got to be willing to make that really courageous decision and say, you know what? Nobody else <laughs> is going to chase my dream for me. Yes. No one else is going to change my life. It's it's truly in my lap. And what am I going to do about it? I love that. I love that with like all personal responsibility because I know, you know, so many people, I, I've always been in working out and fitness and, you know, I've had my yeah. ups and downs with my weight and times that I didn't feel like doing it. I mean, of course, like everybody else. But I always think to myself, you know, no one's forcing you to eat that. You know, no one's That's forcing right. you to drink right. that. There's not some magical, you know, genie coming down and stuffing your face with something. You you choose yeah. it. It's your choice. And and you know, sometimes it almost seems like, I don't know. Sometimes it seems as if people almost like don't realize that they 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 kind of get stuck in their habits and their right. ways, and they don't seem like they have a choice. And we always have a choice. Yeah, we do. We do. It's, it's, again, it goes back to the story you tell yourself and it's so important, you know? And so there are people just like you described, you know, that, you know, maybe you're raised a certain way. My wife is Puerto Rican. So there's a, mm-hmm. you know, there's a culture with that. So she mm-hmm. has family members that act in certain ways because, well, that's just our culture. And, you know, and same thing, you know, with, with my family and my culture, you know, my parents were not risk takers at all. Yes. Hard workers, a lot of very admirable qualities, but they missed out. And, they, and these are all things they told me as they got older, they missed out on some amazing financial opportunities because they were just too afraid to take any risks, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's, <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> There's no one yes. else. Yes. It's like right. boundaries. You know, we talk about relational boundaries. They're very important but no one else is going to put them in place for you. It's, yes. It has to start with you. I just love that. I love it. And I love that you wrote this book and that you are finding a way to somehow, I know you can't say the word overcome, but live with right. um, yeah. this tragedy in your life and share 
what you've learned with others, because I think it's so valuable for people, especially from someone who has gone through it. Uh, where yeah. can people get the book? Where can they Thank learn you. more about your mission to help them? Yes. Well, the what I'd love for them to do is go to the website, which is bigboldbrave.us. And for those sticklers, yes, I know it's US, <laughs> but I believe in collaboration. I believe we don't do anything great on this planet without others. So I intentionally picked that domain. So it's bigboldbrave.us. And there they can sign up for a newsletter that I'm actually going to be starting next week that I'm really excited about that will include some free content and just some fun stuff. Uh, and then there they can purchase the book. Now, I know, we know we may have some international uh, listeners as well. And so there's a link. Uh, you can go get the book on Amazon as well. Uh, so if, especially if you live internationally, you'll want to get the book through there because shipping on this planet is now completely crazy. So, yes, but, uh, yes. but domestically, you can buy the book. You can find out about how you can invite me to speak at your you know organization, conference, whatever, all that stuff, kind of one-stop shopping. And podcast coming soon. Podcast right. coming soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm working Big with the team brave. right now to kind of build a budget around that. And I'm. it's going to be stories of big, bold, brave humans. So really, I just want to share a bunch of stories of inspiring people that have you know overcome all kinds of adversity. And not just that, but in doing so, they've decided to serve people and help others. I love that. And I just, oh, this was such a great conversation. I, I just really enjoyed speaking with you, Clint. It, it, it's been so enlightening for me and you have such a good heart and you really are doing good things for people. So thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Well, thank you, Robin. I feel the same way. You have a beautiful smile and your energy is just wonderful <laughs> and, it, and it jumps through the screen. So it was, a, it was uh, my pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Clint Haddon. And thank you for being with me today for Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life don't forget to like and subscribe and I'll keep you updated on my most recent episode. Until I see you next time, keep living well.